I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 147, for the weekend starting 3 June 2016. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, the home of intelligent technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, we chat about the court judgment against Faith Mutambi over set-top boxes. Also this week, a fire at Ikasa's offices, thieves walking off with Telcom's network, turn around at Kojima, and of course the new Top Gear. Let's get the show on the road. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Richard? How's it, Duncan? Very good. Uh, sitting outside, but it's a bit chilly in being June. <laughs> Winter is coming. Winter is here. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a bit chillier than, than, than normal podcast recording outside. Absolutely. But things are a bit warm at Icarus's offices this week, weren't they? Yeah, they didn't have a problem with the air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> um, first we got wind of it was when uh, um, a uh, eyewitness, let's call him, at uh, Icarus uh, sent us a message saying, um, Icarus is burning down. Like, whoa, what? <laughs> Come again? <laughs> Literally? Or? No, 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 not figuratively speaking. <laughs> uh, and he sent some pictures through, and uh, indeed, one of their office blocks had uh, caught a blaze. Uh, we, we haven't seen an official report on exactly what happened, but um, it was extinguished fairly quickly, I believe, uh, by the emergency services. Uh, the uh, eyewitness reports suggest that it was caused by an exploding air conditioner. Not by an aggrieved licensee. <laughs> <laughs> there to burn, Interest, yeah, yeah. burn the offices down. <clears throat> um, but so it, it doesn't seem there was anything malicious uh, behind it. But um, uh, so the pictures suggested that it was quite a blaze. Uh, if, you know, if you could see the flames yeah, pouring yeah, out the windows. Those and, uh, so um, yeah, uh, fire ready casters' offices. Uh, and uh, the, the building housed a whole lot of things, but among them were t- type approval documents and uh, licenses. Mm. Uh, apparently, all the documents that are housed there are backed up off-site. Good. Uh, so there's no loss of any of any um, license material or any other documentation. Mm. If it was mm. in fact a malicious incident, <laughs> but uh, all indications are that uh, it uh, it was an air, faulty air conditioning unit. Okay. But I've never heard of an air conditioner causing a fire. Causing like. a fire like that. I guess it's possible. If it, I mean, I remember when I was at those offices more than a year ago, they weren't the, I mean, they were a little bit dilapidated in some areas, mm. I found. Um, Which is funny, because they weren't bad, but they really just... Really upmarket part of Santon. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah, the offices clearly have not been maintained from what I saw. Yeah. But it didn't look that bad. It just was a little dilapidated. It was, a little, yeah. A little worn. Yeah. Worn yeah. for the way. Yeah. Anyway, um, not much more to say about that, I don't think. But uh, another story where there was some heat this week, if we'll continue with the uh, metaphor, <laughs> was at the Supreme Court of Appeal in Bloemfontein, where uh, the communications minister, Faith Mutambi, had it handed to her on a platter. Um, ETV winning its uh, court case, its appeal, after losing at the High Court in Pretoria on this ongoing battle. Oh, never ending. Over encryption of, of uh, free-to-air television broadcasts uh, in our move to digital television. Uh, and the saga has been going on for so long now. Uh, this, this victory is probably going to set us back again. Um, it, it all depends on how the communications minister responds to this. Mm. And she could really respond in a number of ways. She could uh, seek leave to appeal and go to the constitutional court, which I think would be a silly idea. Uh, given that uh, the judgment is, found that it was actually the, the process that was at fault rather than the um, policy itself. 
the, the court made no ju judgment on whether encryption was good or bad. Mm. It, mm. it very deliberately and probably very cleverly <laughs> steered away, away from, from that, that uh, and found instead that the, that the minister had um, failed to, in effect, I mean, it, there were a number of grounds for the judgment, but, but I, the, I think the biggest one was that she failed to consult adequately uh, with uh, both the statutory bodies um, that are responsible for regulating the space, which is principally ICASA, um, but also the the Universal Service and Access Agency of South Africa, which is, has a big responsibility in the digital migration project, specifically for the around the uh, tendering for the set-top boxes and the distribution of those set-top boxes, but also failing to uh, consult with ETV and other industry players on the amendment, mm -hmm. um, which really sought to change the previous... Um, compromise agreement, I guess you could call it, that the previous minister, Yunus Karim, had come up with and really go for a policy where there would be no encryption in the set-top boxes uh, uh, for South Africa's uh, digital migration project. Now, I'm not going to go through all the background here because we've done it in previous podcasts yeah. and we've written about it ad nauseum on the website, but... Um, the battle really comes down to, to the battle between two commercial broadcasters, multi-choice, which is a gig against an ETV, which is in favor of it. Um, and then we've got lobby groups on both sides. We even had a, a, um, a, a, a black a, a, a set-top box manufacturing association called NAMEC split in two with half them or some of the uh, members um, coming out in support of multi-choice and some of the, uh, the other members are coming out in support of the ETV, ETV position. Um, of course, the set-top box manufacturers, it's very much in their favor that there be encryption mm. in these boxes because that would mean that we have these set-top boxes in the market in perpetuity, whereas if we didn't have encryption, uh, then uh, the set-top box would always be a, a temporary issue. I'm still very much of the view that um, it's a mistake to include encryption in the set-top boxes. I believe that the argument put forward by ETV is, is spurious and that, um, that South Africa should not di divert from the route taken in most markets uh, around the world and that we should not have encryption in these set of boxes and that uh, HDMI through the H high, high definition uh, copy protection built into the HDMI standard is sufficient uh, protection uh, for, for, for to protect against piracy um, and should be enough to um, to alleviate the concerns of the content providers, the international content providers. So uh, I think there's been a lot. There's been a lot of discussion around this issue, and a lot of a lot of nonsense spouted about you know the advantages and disadvantages of both approaches. Um, and most, it, it's almost always down to lobbying as to you know whose interests are, are best served by what it, which position. And it's a fact that the set-top box industry's best interests are served by there being encryption in the boxes. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a fact that ETV and 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 prospective broadcasters' interests are best served by there being encryption in the boxes, because then they don't have to incur the huge cost of deploying uh, set-top boxes into the market, because they can pre pre-deployed by uh, by the government through yeah. the government su su uh, subsidy, which is going to provide free five million free set-top boxes to poorer households across the country which creates a wonderful base on which to build a pay tv business and multi-choice of course is it's in its interest to argue against uh, uh encryption in the boxes because um putting putting conditional access in all these five million boxes out in the field um effectively amounts as they have said and i think correctly so to unfair competition mm -hmm. uh so everyone is arguing their point but i think if you take a step back and look at this as an independent observer and 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 stop listening to all the BS and noise that that gets spouted by both sides, and there's one heck of a lot of it. Once you once you take a completely independent, unbiased view of this, which I believe I've done uh, over following this case over the years, 
that there isn't a case for encryption in set-top boxes. Um, so it's, I think it's unfortunate that the minister has erred uh, in amending the policy and not consulting widely enough. Um, I think that the decision that she made in that policy was the correct one, but um, she may have reached it for the wrong reasons, and she certainly went about, as the High Court, or the, as the Supreme Court has showed, went about um, making the amendment in the wrong way. Um, I think the best uh, solution to all of this would be for her to, um, unfortunately it's going to take time, but to consult again uh, with the various industry role players and listen to all the lobbyists again, mm. but come to the same conclusion that there shouldn't be encryption in the set-top boxes and that the broadcast signal for free-to-air television should not be encrypted and that if broadcasters want to launch pay television services that they should pay uh, out of their own pockets to build that infrastructure and deploy those set-top boxes into homes. Anyway, end of round. I think I think there's nothing more to say. You, I think you succinctly summed it up. Um, and we'll anyway, take I'm that probably going to get lots of hate mail after saying all of that from the uh, from the pro encryption camp. But um, the more I look at this, the more I'm convinced that that is the correct uh, position, mm. um, and that's the position that should be argued. And I think it's just unfortunate that the biggest uh, player in the industry. Uh, the dominant player in this industry um, who everyone wants to everyone suggests needs competition and it does need competition because it has become so entrenched and so dominant and that's multi-choice but I'm not sure that that um, that this is the right way to tackle the competition I think it's probably better to t if you want to approach it that way and I'm not saying it's the right way but a better way to approach competition maybe through other regulatory means like we've seen in Europe where the, the regulators mandate that a certain percentage of sport, for example, has to be shared with other players in the mm. market, uh, that um, certain services need to be unbundled. Um, you know, the question is, why has there been no focus by the regulator, for example, on unbundling super sport from, from multi-choice? Those two are very tightly closed together, uh, tightly yeah. knit together. Yeah. In fact, there was a complaint by Top TV, now Starsat, several years ago to the Competition Commission about this very subject, and it's gone nowhere. Uh, and it's not clear why that is the case, why the Competition Commission has, uh, has it's still sitting on it as far as I know, but there's been no development in that regard. Now, I'm not saying that regulation um, or split or forcing um, a split of super sport in, uh, from the rest of the business is the right approach. Uh, I'm not sure it is. I, I'd, have to, I'd have to sit down and have a proper think about that and talk to economists and, and, and formulate a viewpoint on it. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm pretty convinced that, um, that this encryption um, approach, which is ultimately going to cost consumers uh, because we're going to have to have these set-top boxes in perpetuity and have them supported in perpetuity, which is great for the set-top box manufacturers, but not great for consumers. Uh, I'm convinced that it's not the right way to go. Yeah. And the, the, the question that I have, is somebody going to gain financially from from going that way? Which, yeah. Going the fairly, encryption route? Yeah, yeah, going the encryption route. Sure, the set-top box manufacturers are going to benefit mm, from it. Mm. Um, because, you, you know, can't just change because you're box. always going to have to have a set-top box of some kind. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let me stop, stop ranting about that subject uh, because enough has been said on it in the past, I think. But it's uh, unfortunately not over. Uh, and uh, Faith Mutambi has to uh, make um, some uh, very smart decisions uh, in the coming weeks about exactly how she's going to t tackle this issue. Uh, given past performance, I'm not hopeful. Mm. Interesting story that came out uh, earlier this week about uh, from Telcom. It's actually a statement that Telcom put out. Uh, saying that, um, effectively saying, it's a headline we put on the story, saying that thieves are in effect walking off with telecoms network. <laughs> um, specifically talking here about its, um, its copper network. Um, but I'm just going to get the story up on my screen here because it's worth quoting a couple of figures. But um, 
we've known that copper theft has been a, a problem for a long time. Uh, and Telcom saying the copper price is on the rise again, and this is leading to um, increasing numbers of incidents of, uh, of copper theft. But um, the, the release they put out this week, interestingly, t t interestingly timed, by the way, exactly a week before their um, annual results presentation, uh, this coming Monday, uh, and one wonders if it's kind of in preparation uh, for a shocking um, uh, copper cable uh, connection number. Mm. If, if we're going to see the number of fixed lines and service declining quite sh sharply this year, um, and and blaming copper theft uh, for that decline, but that, that waits to be. <laughs> we'll have to wait to Monday to see that. But Telcom saying it registered more than six thousand incidents of copper th cable theft on its network in the past year. And as a result, and I'm reading here, is now actively moving its customers from the technology to wireless and fiber alternatives. Uh, now, they said these criminals, uh, Jackie O'Sullivan, who's Telcom spokeswoman, said these criminals now target our manholes armed with customized heavy-duty vehicles, allowing them to hitch the cable to the vehicle and drive out kilometers of cable, cutting off thousands of customers in a single incident. Um, uh, you've got to have a lot of... Um, yes. You've got to feel for Telcom here. Um, I mean, 6,000 incidents a year. How do you police that? <laughs> and their network is, is all over yeah. the country, so you can't exactly put a security guard on every no, on every impossible. Manhole. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a big problem for the company, and um, I think the, the approach of, 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 of moving people to wireless in areas where the, the problem is, is acute, uh, and also um, you know, perhaps accelerating the fiber rollout is the right strategy, Yeah, yeah even if it's expensive in the short term. Well, something will have to be done. I mean, Telcom's already losing a, a large proportion of the customer base due to other fiber deployers. Mm. Um, so it's, it's in any case a good idea to move all those guys to a much better, broad, a much better infrastructure in any case. But this, it's, it's actually insane how much of a problem copper theft is yeah. in the country. I mean, you go to any of the peri-urban areas around the cities. Um, I mean, I live in Randburg. You go out to somewhere like North Riding, which is not far out of the city. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's on the edge of the city. And you go there and you'll see telecom poles and there's no cabling on them. It's been removed. It's either been stolen or telecom has gone and removed it. Yeah. Uh, and I hear stories all over the place. Anyone, anyone just on the, even just on the edge of the cities, telecom is going in there, taking down their, sawing down their poles, taking the cables away, putting up a base station. Yeah, have LTE, yeah. if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, otherwise fiber if you're really, if you're really lucky. Well, they're not doing fiber in the peri-urban areas. No, for sure. Fiber's only in the, in the, in the, in the well-to-do suburbs for now. But also with the high density of those areas, um, like North Riding, I mean, it's devastating to to have cables stolen because there are thousands of people within one yeah. square block, really, yeah. or, or hundreds of people within a, a one or two blocks. Um, yeah, let's hope let's hope we get that fiber in much quicker. But it's still gonna it's gonna be a problem. I yeah, mean, there's a lot of copper, and I, and I do feel for people who live in these areas who 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 then trans who then don't have a fixed line option. Um, because wireless is relatively expensive, although Telcom's wireless prices are very aggressive. Um, and the but the, the fact is, wireless is not as good as a ca as a cable based solution, especially in those high density areas where mm. there are lots of people in complexes. So your your base station um, usage ratios or yeah. contention ratios are much higher than yeah. you know, what they should be in any case. Yeah. Or people just passing through a, a suburb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the only way to stop this, uh, there's been a lot of talk about uh, what needs to be done to prevent copper theft and, and potentially making it a precious metal where you know stealing it or, or selling it is mm. is where the you know where the criminal yeah. can be caught as yeah. opposed to indeed trying indeed. to wait for somebody to to sell it and then yeah. bust the the, the yeah. scrap metal yard indeed indeed
Anyway, um, at this point, we normally uh, take an ad break, but before we get there, we, uh, you know, Rachot, we forgot to do the quiz the at quiz. the beginning of the show, so <laughs> why don't we do that now, yes, then yes. we'll take the ad break, and then we'll come back to some more news. Um, Rachot, do you want to kick off with our first question? By the way, if you listen to this for the first time, it's just a fun quiz. There's no prizes involved. It's just... Uh, just to see if you've, uh, you know, just a bit of a test to see if you're on top of what's been happening in the tech of world. Of the current affairs in the exactly, tech world, yes, exactly. yes. So what's that first question? So the first question, what was the size of the severance package Ultram paid to former Altec CEO Craig Fenter? Second question, which former telecoms CEO has joined the board of Gajima? The third question, enterprise ITC, ICT startup Snapped has raised 15 million rand in funding from which local investment firm? Fourth question, uh, Huawei launched which high-end smartphone in South Africa this week? And the final question, which broadcaster this week won its appeal against the 2015 amendments to South Africa's digital migration policy? Well, if you listen to the show, you'll know the answer to that one. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back right after this message. Hello world. Hello information. Hello uploads and downloads. Hello streaming videos and low latency. Hello blogs and vlogs. Hello crystal clear video calls. Hello increased productivity. Hello online learning. Hello cloud. Hello long lost friends and missed connections. Hello limitless possibilities and instant gratification. Say hello to premium high speed fiber from Vox Telecom. Pleasure guaranteed. Visit voxtelecom.co.za for more information. Chicken or beef? Chicken or beef? There's so many companies offering fiber at the moment, but with Vox Telecom's premium high-speed fiber, you'll be joining the Smile High Club. Duck or salmon, sir? We call it business class fiber. We guarantee our uptime and can tailor our services to suit your needs and budget. Say hello to Business Class Fiber from Vox Telecom. Visit voxtelecom.co.za for more information. Well, welcome back to the show. How's it, Rachat? How's it, how's it? So, um, I had a fascinating chat uh, earlier this week, or was it last week? It's uh, time, time's flying by. I think it was earlier this week with uh, Eileen Wilton, who's the CEO of Kajima, a formerly listed IT group, which has been through a terrible time over the last few years. Uh, they, in fact, at one point last year, it looked like they were on the verge of bankruptcy. Their auditor basically said, you know, there's serious concerns about this as a going concern, which is a which was a big concern given that they employed two and a half, three thousand people. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, they this at the end of this month will be signing off on their turnaround and declaring mm. it done. They've already returned to profitability on a month-to-month basis. They're a smaller organisation now. Uh, they haven't. Uh, they haven't gone through massive retrenchments, but they have reduced their workforce through natural attrition um, by about a thousand to about two thousand people. Um, but they've uh, they appear to have turned the corner. The company is a hundred percent owned now by um, Robert Gamede, the billionaire businessman, uh, who um, under fully underwrote a rights offer last year, um, which left a very small uh, number of. Um, of, of shareholders, I think it was something like eight percent or ten percent of the group held in uh, by non uh, Robert Gumede companies or interests. Uh, so at that point, he made a decision to delist the company, and he made an offer to those minorities, and he's delisted the business. This is now two thousand company uh, business turning over billions of rands a year, one hundred percent owned and controlled by Robert Gumede. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do business. <laughs> and now it's turning around. Um, but uh, he, he took a—I mean, he took a big bet on this as well. That company yeah. was in serious trouble. He put his money behind it in that through the, through a succession of rights offers. Um, and he's now delisted the business, and and it's it's turning the corner, and um, it's attracting some uh, 
some uh, heavy hitters to its board as well. Um, uh, if you were listening to the quiz just before the, the ad break, uh, one of the questions is about um, who's joined the board, and one of them is uh, none other than Safiso Dabengua, the former group CEO of MTN. Uh, he's joined as a non-executive director, along with uh, people who've been in the industry for a long time will remember Alan Farthing, the former finance, financial director of Business Connection, who was FD when Peter Watt was there. This was before the... Um, before the deal with the uh, Morpatlane twins uh, and Clive Butko, uh, Butkow, um, the former chief operating officer of Accenture in South Africa is the third person who's joined the board so they're attracting some heavy hitters and they're talking a good game under Eileen Wilton is uh, a former CIO by the way at Anglo-American and at Old Mutual uh, who jumped the fence from the from the buyer side to the seller side uh, and um, yeah, it's things are looking a bit. Things are looking up there. Um, you know, it's still a very thin margin business, but um, uh, they've certainly saved Kojima, and there was certainly concern at one point that the business wasn't going to make it. Right, uh, the last item, bit of fun, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you watch the new Top Gear this week? I, I didn't watch the new show, but you couldn't miss the comments online. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> I, I watched it on Tuesday evening, and. Uh, my word, um, I won't, don't think I'll be watching the next one. <laughs> There's no well, yeah, what the, the, the biggest complaint I heard was there was no synergy between the cast. No, members. no. I mean, there's been lots of there's been lots of speculation and suggestions prior to the bro- broadcast of the first episode that the two hosts, Chris Evans and Matt LeBlanc, uh, were fighting with each other behind the scenes. You mean, unlike uh, Jeremy Clark's fighting with the crew. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean they they. they, they <laughs> With top, with the old Top Gear, with Clarkson and, and May and Hammond, it was very clear those guys like each other. Yeah, uh, yeah. even though they're ribbing each other and they're taking. They were very tight. They were. They, were, they, tight. they, they, they are. They, they, tight, they are. They are. They. They. are buddies, uh, and it's very clear that that this uh, situation, this um, situation with LeBlanc and Evans, is very forced. Mm. Um, the other criticism I have of the show is that it still follows the Top Gear formula too much, and I suppose they did have lots of debate about that internally about, you know, don't mess too much with the winning formula. But the problem is the formula only worked because it was Clarkson. With the right and, people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I found Chris Evans. I don't really know Chris Evans. I think he's a, he is a radio host or was a radio host on, on one of the BBC, BBC yeah, stations. Yeah. I think he did the breakfast show on BBC One or something. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't really know him. This is my first real exposure to him. Um, I found him very shouty. Um, uh, he shouted right through the through the episode. It was um, it was quite unpleasant. It also sounded as if his mic was detached or something. There was a kind of an echo. I don't know. If there was some sort of sound problem associated with him. I'm not sure if they they actually switched off his mic because he was shouting too much and just used other mics to pick mm. up his voice. Mm. But um, it it was uh, you know I think he 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 is not the right guy to lead the show. Matt LeBlanc I think did a better better job, especially when he wasn't with Chris Evans. Uh, he did an insert later in the show, uh, which I thought was was classic Top Gear. It was it was it was pretty good, um, which is pretty interesting given mm. this is an American hosting a British show and he's actually doing the best job out of the new presenters. I would have, I mean, before you said that, no, I wouldn't have thought Matt LeBlanc would have been a good fit either. I mean, just Top Gear, you you don't necessarily want a motor car race driver to host it, but you also don't want you want somebody that's that's a character to watch, that knows what they're talking about. That's not yeah. necessarily directly a car. A car race driver or somebody in the industry, like yeah. a journalist, a good journalist that can talk about it. Yeah. And to me, that's what what the the old top gear had. It, exactly. And it was so politically incorrect. Um, mm. And Clarkson is so politically incorrect. Yeah. He just yeah. he doesn't care. He'll just you know. <laughs> if, it's, like it is. if it's more, you know, if, it's, if it is politically incorrect, he'll deliberately say it. 
Um, I don't know if the new guys can get away with that. They're not the they're not they're not Clarkson. And with the new crew, it also seems to me, and again, I haven't watched the show, but from everything that I've seen, it's 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 almost like they were trying to create. It's it's like creating a Hollywood version of Top Gear. Yeah, you know, yeah. trying to create a polished thing where the old Top Gear wasn't polished. Yeah, it was beautifully shot, but everything else was rough around mm. the edges. And that's the production values were still brilliant. I mean, you, you know, the, the the guys behind it doing the production of Top Gear, mm. and they've, they've clearly retained those guys because the you know the the and they spend money on it. The the production value is fantastic. But it shows you, you can spend all the money on a good production value. If the story isn't there, or if, yeah. the, if the characters aren't there, yeah. these are characters. Yeah. And top, the best thing about Top Gear, and they didn't do it in this episode, and I don't know if they're going to do, try and do it in future episodes, was the, was the challenges. Mm. Um, mm. Especially when they you know do epic things like race across Europe or, you know... Um, yeah, yeah, a little challenge that they have to do for the day or for yeah. the show. Yeah, like, when, like they, when they drove across Botswana and the... And the and president of Botswana came in on a microlight. I mean, <laughs> oh, good times. You know, I don't, I don't know if these new guys can 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 repeat that, but I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it a few more times, um, give it a chance. But we haven't seen the lot of clocks, and he's showing, he's shooting his new podcast new show. Yeah, yeah. Amazon Prime, and uh, and uh, they announced it this week that uh, the first. Uh, it looks like they're going to literally travel the world and and shoot in each country. And uh, the news this week is that uh, the the first episode is going to be shot in Johannesburg. Yeah, I, I was, uh, the competition was you, you can enter it um, and potentially yeah. win tickets to that. Uh, yeah, well worth checking in. Checking yeah, in too. yeah. So that's, I think that's happening in July. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure when they're planning to actually release the show. I think it's sometime later this year. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. I must say, it's called the Grand Tour. Is it the Grand yeah, Tour? The Grand yeah. Tour. Yeah, Grand Tour. Going to be good. Quite a clever name, actually. Right, regular features time. Um, let me let me uh, let me uh, get on to our uh, let me pick our winner this week, um, and I think it was an easy one. Uh, watching that chair price shoot up, <laughs> and that's uh, it's it's uh, unusual to pick a company, but it was such a landmark uh, 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 development that I think it's worth picking as our winner this week, and that's Naspers. His market capitalization shot through one trillion rand this week really? for the first wow. time. <laughs> that's nice. a thousand billion rand. All driven by Tencent, of course, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the Chinese company that they own about 33 or 34% of. Uh, that, that company's share price has been shooting up as well. Um, it's one of the biggest internet companies in China now. Uh, and, of course, MultiJoyce, uh, sorry, Nuspost doesn't only own Tencent, but they own a lot of other assets as well. But those are largely discounted in the valuation. They own MultiJoyce, they own a number of e-commerce assets, and they still own a bunch of newspapers in South <laughs> Africa. Um, for some reason, I'm not quite sure why. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, that's our pick this week, Nuspast, a one trillion rand market cap. In dollar terms, it doesn't sound quite as exciting. It's about $60 billion. Um, but still, $60 billion not to be sniffed at. It puts them... Uh, it puts them up there with some of the big, uh, the biggest American companies. Uh, certainly not in the Facebook or yeah. Google League, but uh, they're a big company. South Africa needs some big hitters with money to spend on the ground here, yeah, so it's a good thing. Yeah, it's very really good. Our loser this week, da 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 dum. For the for the for the how many? I don't know how many times we picked this guy. He's going to get the company car after this one. The loser, Claudio Mozzaneng. I don't think he needs a company car. He's probably bought him several already. But Claudi um, Mutsaneng, uh, the chief operating officer of the SABC for censoring, as I wrote on the show notes, the good news. No, censoring the bad news. Um, no protest, no violent protest to be shown on the SABC. And then a couple of days later being quoted in the media as saying that uh, too much education is a bad thing. <laughs> Sorry, Stalin. How would you know, Mr. Watson? <laughs> you don't have any. <laughs> anyway. No, no, his benchmark's very low. <laughs> Indeed. 
Indeed. What's your pick this week, Russell? Mm. So there's a little app. I've been I've been trying to get up earlier and uh, kind of living living a good active lifestyle earlier in the day rather than late in the day. And um, I was looking for some cool alarm clock apps, and I came across I came across a little application by a man called The Rock. I'm sure you've <laughs> heard of him. Yeah, Chris Rock. No, no, no. <laughs> the Rock. Uh, WWE. The Rock. Um, the wrestler. Oh no, I don't. It's called Rock the Clock, and it is actually one of the coolest little applications I've seen in a long time. And and if you haven't been seeing, if you haven't seen any of his stuff on YouTube, the, the Rock is actually a very funny guy, and um, he's got some really cool things that he's doing uh, on the TV space, but uh, on the on the, the video side. But uh, this application, essentially, what it does is like a normal alarm clock. Yeah, you can set your time. Um, for it to wake you up but it's also got a bit of a, a motivational angle to it so throughout throughout the day or throughout as you set it up you yeah. can you can get him to motivate you but the the funniest thing for me or the one of the best things for me is in the morning when you set your alarm clock i'm just uh, trying to call this app there's a variety of ring or, or audio clips or ringtones that you can get him to wake you up to and then oh, these yeah. are brilliant so let me let me just play you the one that i listen to in the morning okay. when i wake up Good morning. No. Good morning, sunshine. Yeah, that's what the rock just said. Open your eyes up. Get your candy ass out of bed. <laughs> and there's, there's a whole bunch of different ones. I mean, this is also classic. Beep, 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 beep. That's oh, just him going beep, 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 beep. I can do this all morning. Beep, is it a free app? It's a free app, yeah. I mean, it's it's it puts a smile on my face every morning when I when it goes off, and I absolutely love it. Uh, the Rock Clock, well worth checking out. It's available on Android and iOS. We'll put the links in the show notes below. Great stuff. I must say, I, I use an app called Gentle Alarm for Android, and uh, it's it's uh, it's very very good. Um, you can download these beautiful. S- uh, nature sounds and it fades in over tranquil. like 15 minutes you'll, you'll have the sound of a stream by babbling brook or whatever <laughs> and um, you can you can fade it in over 5, 10, 15 minutes and it just gently wakes you up what is it called? it's called gentle alarm gentle. It's, uh, so it's uh, the opposite of uh, the rock clock exactly, exactly. The opposite. exactly. <laughs> there are probably several apps called gentle alarm in the in the play store so look for the one with the uh, the sort of orange uh, it's a picture of a clock with a, uh, an orange clock with a blue face nice um, and I, I highly rate it because it is ex- it is probably the most customizable alarm out there um, it'll let you do just about anything uh, if you want to go for the boring choice if you want to go for the really exciting choice go for the, for the rock, rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> anyway my pick this week and uh, uh, it's also kind of uh, health related is uh, the um, Garmin Index Smart Scale which I bought last week uh, great grand intentions to uh, lose some weight this winter because I usually do the opposite uh, <laughs> when the hibernation period sets in uh, and it works really well it's a Wi-Fi connected scale it also um, has Ant Plus and other Bluetooth support as well but primarily uses Wi-Fi to, to sync uh, with uh, with the Garmin Connect service which if you have a Garmin device you'll know is their, um, their online service for um, viewing your, your exercise your, your activities all your data and it's really cool. It's you can access it through the web or through an iOS or um, Android app. And uh, this smart scale takes your weight and takes a whole lot of other metrics as well. It shows you your BMI. Uh, mine's currently sitting just over 25, so I need to get that down a little bit. Um, it uh, and it's it's actually really cool. Um, I had an old um, uh, what do you call it a mechanical scale, 
um, which I hopped on occasionally, and it, there was no incentive. You couldn't actually see yourself, your, how your weight was moving, because it was kind of an approximation of what your weight was. Uh, with this, you, it's, it's, it's measured in 100 gram increments, so you can actually see if you've lost 100 grams uh-huh. from day to day. Yeah. Uh, and it puts it into pretty charts in your um, in your Garmin Connect, so you can, you know, as soon as I've weighed myself in the morning, I go to my office, go to Garmin Connect, <laughs> check out the pretty graph of how my weight's come down, which it hasn't really done that much yet. Um, I think I think there might be something wrong with the scale. I, I, check the battery. <laughs> Um, but uh, it it works really well seriously Um, and uh, it's a bit pricey I think the retail price is about 2.8 but you know if you if you if you want to get serious about losing some weight and uh, and getting fit um, then uh, the Garmin uh, index smart scale especially if you already own a Garmin device uh, and you're already in that Garmin connect ecosystem uh, it's, I think it's a worthwhile purchase. So if you, if, I think if you want, if you're keen to monitor your weight, um, if you're training for something, if you're trying to get to an ideal weight, if you're trying to get your BMI to a certain level, or your, um, it, it measures other things like bone mass and muscle mass and all that sort of thing. I'm quite sure exactly how it does that just from standing on it. Those are all estimations based on height. On and your weight height and weight, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so you have to input obviously your your age, your uh, height. Uh, uh, that sort of thing before you start to use it. It's very easy to set up. Connects to your Wi-Fi, uh, and there's no need to to write it down, which you would have to do with a mechanical scale. You know, have to have a little book where you write your weight each day. Or log it manually on on connect on, on connect. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, with this, it it does it for you. So, um, um, it you know you 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 st- stand on your scale. You go to your computer. There's your weight. And there's the pretty graph showing you how much you've put on because of all those. Nando's burgers you ate the previous day. <laughs> you can't even play the slow Wi-Fi connection for the weight gain on your scale. I need the Wi-Fi's lagging. I'm adding 10 pounds. You can't use that excuse. Uh, no, no, indeed. indeed. And this weekend I'm going to run 21K, so I'm quite interested to see how what uh, impact that has on my weight Monday morning. Nice. Cool. Uh, and speaking of the weekend, uh, that's all our show this week as always if you've got any feedback please drop us a mail we'd love to hear from you email address is info at techcentral.co.za and by the way we love the fact that um, our listenership is uh, actually literally soaring at the moment Rechard I'm going to show you the latest um, um, you know download numbers for the show oh, yeah please but um, we've uh, the you know, I think we've pretty much doubled our listenership over the last few months uh, so uh, thanks for listening to the show we really appreciate it and uh uh, until next time uh, we won't be recording next week by the way because I'm not here but we'll be back in two weeks time uh, so until then from Rechard and myself take care cheers ciao ciao